Good day to you. Um, what country are we suddenly in now? Well, Kate got your tongue, Roger. Good on you. Oh, okay, we just went from Aussie to some distortion of British. I mix <laughs> British, South African, and Australian accents all the time. And now it's, I'm expecting Inspector Clouseau to show up. Well, anyway. it's like when I do Chinese, Japanese, or Mandarin. Pretty much the same thing for me. You ever try to do something in a Mandarin accent? It's harder than you think. This is a terrible way. This is an inglorious way. <laughs> to start the bastards. <laughs> to start the bastards. Welcome to the inglorious bastards. And what As you just heard is mock it, every. That's not mocking. That's recognizing and honoring. I'm not sure you were honoring the Mandarin. Was, did you not know what I said in, in Mandarin? I said, let me translate for you. I uh, no. I honor the Mandarinese. I'm I'm afraid that's not what you said at all. <laughs> I hope someone and does. Man, Mandarin we just lost our Chinese listener. <laughs> so. I want you to know that what you just heard Come back. is indicative of what you'll always hear on the pastors. <laughs> There's I, how did you how did you describe it in our in our little bio thing? We swing wildly from That yes, yeah, sometimes that's how I right. I will talk about our rambling conversation. We sang Rambling Man at the end or I did at the end of our last episode, I think. Yes. Yeah, it was kind of an earworm for me the rest of the day, sadly. <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head. I got it in there. By the way, big news. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> the Packers say, no way in heck we're letting go of him. Denver's like, we sure hope they do. Because, so are you letting go of the dream? Well, no, because Drew Locke threw two interceptions and Teddy Bridgewater threw one in the early off-season training things. And it's looking grim on the quarterback front. I mean, if we keep throwing it to the other team, that's yep. bad. I guess that's one of the fundamentals of football. You really need to have a quarterback. You need a quarterback. That's throwing to your team. Yeah. I remember all those years. You remember Mike Tomzak and the Bears? I do have a recollection of More Tom completions Zach. to the other team. Which really is a completion when you think about it. The right? pass was caught. Good on you. That's... So, good on you. See, it's catchy, isn't it? So it's like, if you look at the statistics on how many of his passes were caught, it's off the charts. That's right. It's in the 90th percentile. Right. You're saying people were catching that football, right? <laughs> yes. Should interceptions be factored into completion ratio? Well, that's that's an interesting question. <laughs> it is. So, <laughs> any big news for you on the on the Roger front? Not the Rogers front. <laughs> well, let's see. Our second vehicle is without a transmission now. So, so that's two vehicles without a transmission. Right. So although. At one point, two weeks ago, both of our vehicles had broken transmissions. So now we're just down to one. I did get a transmission rebuilt in my blue truck van. And that set me back a few thousand dollars. Yeah. And so now I'm not sure I want to do that with the little white van. Yeah, I don't blame. I hope there's a generous, benevolent family that's let you use a car as a loaner while you're without a vehicle. Um, uh, my brother and his wife generously offered the use of their Subaru. Really? Which is a beautiful, you know, it was just wow. a, it was just a touching, it was a touching gesture, and it's. 
and I just hope he can. We're going to be using it the next month, and and he just said, however, you're going to be using it for a month. However long, no, that's what he said. My brother, he said, however long you need to use it, just because that good Samaritan moment where he spoke before he thought. Hey, and if it costs any more while you've got it, I'll take care of that when I come back through. And I, you know, like the whole (laughs) summer, who would do that? Who would loan their vehicle the entire summer? So you're saying you want me to register it in your name? Well, you get the insurance too, baby. No, 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 I don't. No, that's the whole point. Is that you're paying for all of that, and I don't know how to say thank you. You haven't. I mean, not at that level. It was, gee, I had no idea. Hold that thought. What? Oh, no. I, was, I really offended him this no, time. Oh, he's back. I was back. too far away from my tea because Roger's stick is coffee. Mine is. Mine has. I have, tea, I have tea in here as well. Do you really? Yes. I had no idea. Right. I drink one cup of coffee large cup in the morning i don't drink coffee any of the rest of the day so i'm either drinking tea or diet coke Uh, so let me give a a quick plug to one of our season one sponsors rob abercrombie of the abercrombie realty group he came by our house and measured it oh did you get a final word on on the well it's bigger than we thought the house is it's like 1900 and 46 square feet without the garage you have the garage puts it up over 2200 and all of that's heated and cooled because I have a heated and cooled garage, well, which and you I have think the is important. Fanciest garage. There is the, ceramic oak he, tile in the garage. That's very beautiful. So you could easily win the award for the garage that most looks like a family room. That's because it was a family room <laughs> right. until so. I turned it into a garage. But it's a beautiful garage. It's beautiful, right? Just it still throws people off when they walk from our kitchen into the family room. Yeah, there's a car there. <laughs> Well, the question is, did it throw your realtor off? Did it throw him He thought off? it was really cool. Okay. He's like, this is really cool. I will have to put, I mean, if we sell the house, I will have to put one of those metal insulated 32-inch doors, exterior doors between the, the now garage oh. and the kitchen. Okay. Firewall kind of a thing? Firewall. Okay. Yeah. Well, and yes, that firewall <laughs> thing. So, I mean, right now, I don't know how it is around the country, but in Huntsville, if, if you ever wanted to sell a house, this is the time. It's like the toilet paper thing from last year. People can't get enough houses, don't care what it costs. I'll take it. Right. 500000 I'll take it. Million? Take it. It's, I mean, it really is. No, our daughter Carrie, they just put their house on the market um, a week ago, a week and a half ago. And and it was it fixed me up. I mean, the, the house needed a lot of work and so on but that with but within a couple hours they had two bids over asking price that were almost identical so the realtor goes back and you know okay give me your best shot and one of them went higher and so again it's just that now the down the downside of that is i've discovered well i've been looking for a new used car yeah I'm also discovering that it's a seller's market for cars as well. It is. Uh, by the way, you keep saying fix me upper. I think most people know it as a fixer upper. I'm just throwing that out there. He said that a couple of fix me. I don't. Know. I need some fix. I need some fixing. I mean, it's a cold play thing. Can you help for me? you? So this is what's so funny. So, so I bought my car last September. Okay. So here it is. It's it's. June. Now. It is June. So I just this got a June. just got a letter from the dealer offering me more money than I paid for the car. <laughs> they need used cars. 
and they said you've got a used you've got a low mileage used car we'd like it here's what we'll offer you sight unseen isn't that hilarious i've never heard of that <laughs> more than what i paid for it no no so now you're saying dealers so the, the dealers need cars. They, they know you bought the car. This is the dealer you bought the no, car. No, no, this is the one from this is the dealership in Huntsville. Okay. Okay, but that's a good point. I bought it from the dealership in Birmingham. Okay. And some other person learned you had the car. Well, yeah, all the dealerships know. I mean, once you put your this is what's big. Oh, brother. they check out. Once you once once your VIN number's out there, everybody knows what car you have. Okay, and where it is? Where it is? They can estimate mileage. They estimated mileage, which was within five hundred miles of what mine actually is. Which is interesting, and they offered you <laughs> more than what I paid money, <laughs> sight unseen. Wow! So and it was, a, and it was a pre-certified. Which is good for you. No, this it, is all speaking doom and gloom right. if you for need, me. If you need to buy a car, you need to buy a house. It's a, it's a bad, it's a rough time. <laughs> so, like, even if Marlene and I did decide to sell the house, we'd have to move like into an apartment or something, because you can't build right now. It's way too expensive <laughs> right. to build. And you can't buy a house right now because it's so expensive to buy. Well, that's what our daughter's realtor told her. She said, um, before you put your house in your market, you need to have a place to right. stay. You need, to have a place, you need to have a place to stay. And they were able to get an offer, an accepted offer on another house. <laughs> so just yeah, crazy. Now, I have never heard, Mm-mm, ever. I've never seen that. Of a dealer calling someone out of the blue, contacting someone out of the blue, and offering them money for a used car. I've never heard of a dealer. Do- I've just yeah. never heard of that ever. Yeah. So that's it's that interesting thing of, in the same way that, that used houses are in great demand. Right. Oh, I get Used con- cars are in great demand. I mean, I get contacts all the time from people wanting to buy my house. So what's interesting, now here's what I don't get. So a part of it's the toilet paper syndrome, which I never got last year. Well, people were just buying that. And I realized we need we need toilet paper. Okay, I get that. But, but there was a certain, certain level it just got weird. But with Huntsville growing the way that it is and developing, uh, <laughs> you know, they're saying that Huntsville in the next couple of years could become the largest city in the state of Alabama. Before the end of the year. Before the end of this year. I didn't tell you nope. that fast. No, I was reading. Holy and- cow. <laughs> Well, two things going on there. Mobile and Birmingham are going down. Are they're shrinking. losing their people. And Huntsville's, ex- Huntsville's exploding. So <laughs> Huntsville. literally, <laughs> Huntsville. Huntsville. We renamed it now. It's so large. Um, it's literally by the end of this year, we could be, Huntsville could be the largest city in Alabama. So I get why in Huntsville there's high demand. <laughs> yes. Seller's market. I don't understand why that's going on nationwide. Nationwide. So, you know, I would, oh gosh, yeah. Just. Yes. No, but I'm hearing this from people. Because, Connecticut. Again, my daughter's Connecticut. Uh, it, Tennessee. Uh, Mark and Wendy right. Booth. Real yep. news there. They're just getting, blowing you know, up. Everyone's you know making offers. It's just so interesting. I've never even heard. I mean, I'm 57 years old, but I can't remember a time in my history where people were offering more than the asking price. Remember, because we was always you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna offer less than they're asking, and then you're gonna negotiate up right. to, but not never above. Right. No. Gold. Gold was someone accepting. Right, your asking, your asking price, price, which which was like you never never expected happened. That. Right, that you just know? wasn't. Well, okay, but we're keeping the refrigerator, okay? <laughs> but I, I just thought about how challenging that is for realtors. Even now, pricing a house, okay, they're going off of some comps and so on, but now you know, it's like, almost certainly. I'm like, hey, Rob, start high, okay? Because we know there's going to be offers higher than that. 
But where it's could, crazy. You know, they've got a responsibility. They've got to look at right. the comps. But I would be thinking the same thing. Right. What Do are you the comps? edge? What, what's comparable in, I, in this market? Have you seen the video about the Apple? Uh, apparently not. Oh, my gosh. You got <laughs> Listeners, you've got to look this up. It's a guy selling an apple, literally like the fruit, the apple. And he's just like, you just see him. Now, he plays all the characters. So it's one guy using multiple camera angles and, and disguise and costumes becomes multiple characters. But it all is fast motion. He goes, okay, I've got an apple for sale here. And then it shows the, the, the buyer going, well, I'd like to see the apple. No, it's an apple. You know what an apple looks like. You know what it tastes like. It's an apple. He goes, well, I'd like to you know, really check it out and inspect it. No, no inspections. Here's how it's going to be, people. I've got an apple for sale. You've got 10 minutes to get your bid in, and then this thing's going to be done. And all of a sudden, people don't start showing up. He said, the bidding starts at $5. Someone goes, $6.50. Another person goes, $8. Another one goes, $10. And the other guy, the, the first guy's going, hey, can't, I just want to see the apple. He goes, no, you, it's an apple. You either want it or you don't. <laughs> so all these people are going crazy. And, and so finally, he says something like, $25. And he's like, why did you say that? I don't know. <laughs> and then a guy with a backwards cap comes in from California and goes, I'll give you $100 for the apple. And everyone's like, what the heck? And he goes, it's the cheapest apple I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's how it ends. But that's this, I mean, this market right now. So apparently that's going on all over the place. And I wonder, has the pandemic affected that somehow? You know, there's more people being at home mm-hmm. than ever before. And husbands and wives and families and school all at home. Maybe they're all thinking, we need a bigger place. <laughs> We're seeing way too much of each other. My phone was buzzing. Roger regularly checks his phone during the podcast. Well, <laughs> I actually use the phone during the podcast. Well, the, the funny thing is, I almost never get calls, and I'm expecting one call about a car. Oh, really? Right. But anyway, that's a yeah. It's long so story. your brother might get the Subaru back earlier than later. It's not looking well good at this point. No. Fall? No. Maybe November. <laughs> Just flip it sometime in November, right? <laughs> But you're so generous. Thank you so much. That was a shout out to Brian Regan. For those of you that don't know, very funny. Just he, funny. he makes me laugh. So Roger, July fourth, they've they've adjusted the talk that I'm doing now. At, they being at, at Cove Church. All I'm right. not going to be tackling patriotism, uh, nationalism, nationalism, and religious freedom. We're just going to have some some a talk about re- religious freedom, which is much simpler for me. Because the other is so broad, you know, you could have literally a six-week series just dealing with all the right. issues around nationalism, patriotism, those things. But religious freedom, and, and I've already got a, a, some stuff in my head that I've been working off of that I'm excited about sharing on Independence Day at Cove Church. So if you're in the area, you can come. But they also have a big online audience, so you can just go to covechurch.com and check in there. You know, I did something today that you do a lot. I read the Bible. You read the Bible? Yeah. No. Today already? Right. Night and it's only eight thirty. <laughs> well, I've just been learning from you. Roger you know, read the Bible today. I, we, I mean, we were kind of kidding, but Bruce just reads all the time, and I. I need a lot more help than Roger does, <laughs> frankly. Okay, so that's what so, it is. But, so I, I've just been noticing some of those what I'll call cringeworthy psalms. You know, <laughs> you're going through the Psalms. I do not know where Roger's going this morning. I can't wait. Cringeworthy Psalms. Well, so the section of the Bible, the, the Psalms, and but you know, you got these 
think they have a name. So there's like one is the imprecatory. So you know, you're, I, which I think you're just praying doom and gloom on your enemy, and you're just praying destruction. That letter says dash their children against the wall. <laughs> right. Those kinds of you know throw them off the cliffs and those. So, so I'm okay. So there's those, and then you have these other ones where you failed me, God. Why won't you listen? I've been, I've been so faithful. I've been doing this, and you've forgotten me, and you, you know, and, and gosh darn it, nobody likes me anymore. <laughs> right. I have become a portent to many. <laughs> so anyway, I was just thinking about. So then. There's just the fascinating question that comes up. Okay. I believe God gave us the Psalms in the scriptures. Okay, yeah. that's in the uh, So what what do we do with that? And so it's I guess the question of and I'm not trying to get too fine here, but is the Psalm is God It's the wrong question, but it's a starter one. Is God telling us what to pray? Or is he telling us more about how to pray? Um, in other words, is the point of these, God saying, well, this is exactly what I want all of you doing. I want you to be praying for your enemies to blow up and be hit by a bus. I want you to, you know, I, I want all of these things. I Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I wonder if God's just letting people pray. In other words, I love I love oh, even, I think, though, even yes. the way Andy Stanley talks about interpreting <clears throat> Scripture from, and I, I just love some of the things that he says on that, he, when he talks about New Testament passages that can be tough. You know, he says certain things he believes are descriptive. They're describing what happened or right. the events that happened or the decision that was right. made. Uh, prayers, describing exactly, exactly what this person prayed versus prescriptive, prescriptive. Yep. which is you need to be praying like this. Right. But I will say, it's interesting, I'm glad God let them pray. However, I understand that I'm glad God let them pray because those psalms have meant a lot to me in those oh, seasons where I was frankly ticked off. Right. I'm like, it does feel like you've you've left me out, you hung me out to dry on this one. Right. I feel very alone and gosh darn it, people don't like me and they're saying mean things about me right. and there's all of that. And I just think it's good that they're there. And, and apparently, at the very least, God isn't offended by that. Like, no. we're going to strike those from Scripture. No. And I think that encouragement you're <clears throat> feeling, my sense is that's exactly what God intended. Mm -hmm. uh, my sense is that, because, and you have it, this is Job. You see Job having those kind of conversations. You have 37 prophets. chapters of them. <laughs> right. No, you have prophets, whatever. And I think there's actually this pervasive message that God wants to hear our hearts. God wants to hear whatever is on our heart. This is what I'm feeling. And it, this is what I want to happen. This is what um, I, I'm frustrated about. Here's, um, yeah. I just thought of something. Do we have anything like that in, in the Matthew, Mark, Mac? Anything in the New Testament? I'm trying to think if there's anything like that. Prayers. Okay. Nothing coming to mind. Though I want to get, yeah, I'll give that thought through the. It's not that at some point in a passage a person didn't pray something or have a right. have a, a song. Even, even different people in the Gospels would sing a song. Mary sings a song. Uh, the closest thing 
The closest thing is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which he's, which he's quoting a song. A song. <laughs> and I believe part of the reason he said that is it's deeper than I think people think. Yeah, think, go deep, baby. <laughs> well, I think I think he was again from the cross proclaiming himself to be the Messiah because they understood first century Jews understood that to be a messianic psalm. Hmm. What's interesting is they couldn't seem to apply it to the Messiah. <laughs> you know, I did a lot of when I was working hmm. on this talk about religious freedom. I did a lot of study on <laughs> Judas Maccabees and the whole Maccabean revolt, and <laughs> Judas Maccabees takes on <laughs> Rome, gets killed. His sons follow in his footsteps, take on Rome. They also get killed, but they became these folk heroes, heroes yes. of the yep. zealots, the, the patriots of their day. And because I think, I, and I think the first century Jew when Jesus hit the scene was looking for more of a Judas Maccabees than a Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. And Jesus was like, no, that's why, which is what, why Good Peter point. said, yeah. well, that's not, gonna, Jesus, that's not how it's going to go down. Right. You're going to rule with the iron scepter. And, right. Because these others were false messiahs. False messiahs. The true messiah won't die, won't be killed by the Romans. Oh, yeah. wow, that's powerful, yeah. Well, and I realize there's, there's part of us that wants that. So when I talk about religious freedom, part of, part, uh, here's just my, here's, I wonder, I can't say I know, mm-hmm. I wonder. Because I realize as I'm working on this particular talk, Jesus never promised us religious freedom. I mean, we, we have religious freedom. I have, I have freedom in Christ. But he did promise religious persecution, Oh, he yes. promised that. Right. He said, this is going to happen. You're right. going to be flogged in the synagogues. You're going to be brought before the Sanhedrin. Both of those are religious things. <clears throat> Which raises the question about maybe how much we should be fighting that. I mean, in other words... It, 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 well, here's, here's the thing. I wonder if we don't fear religious persecution. So we cling to religious freedom and having laws that protect religious freedom. So heaven forbid we don't experience religious persecution like... The growing churches around the world. So, we're actually trying to prevent Jesus' words from coming true. If at all possible. It's a little bit like that passage, you know, where Jesus says, Woe to you and all men speak well of you. And I'm like, but that's exactly what I want. Right. Jesus says, you're going to have, you're going to experience religious persecution. I'm like, but I don't don't want that. I want religious freedom. Yeah. Uh, But so I got, so in this conversation I had yesterday, it made me think about, all right, so Daniel... In his day, they've been again overtaken by Babylon, all right? So they've lost their national identity. They've lost their mm-hmm. religious freedom to a degree. But it went to a, a whole new level when the king decided, hey, no one can worship anything except me. <laughs> well, actually, the king signed off on it. It was actually some of his boys that mm-hmm. created that thing because they're trying to take Daniel out. Mm-hmm. So he gets religious persecution. What did his religious person persecution look like? Well, he gets fed to the lions. Fast forward to the first century. The Christians who chose to follow Christ mm. were fed to the lions. I'm like, this is, but we don't want that. I, I, I don't want that. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to be fed to the lions. That whole thing with Daniel, I know that God protected him, but I know that wasn't the case for many Christians, followers of Jesus mm. in the first century and second century. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that. And I'm like, gosh, why? Jesus would say crazy stuff like, don't fear him who can kill the body. Right. And after that, do no more. And I'm like, but Jesus, that seems like a pretty bad deal. <laughs> he says, fear him, you know, who has the power after killing the body to cast both body and soul into hell. And I'm like, why are we so, af- why, I'll start, why am I so afraid of things? Well, and this from the one who also more than once said, 
take up your cross and mm-hmm. follow me. Again, something we, you know. That'd be like take up your electric chair and follow well, me. Right. In other words. It's a symbol of execution. Right. Taking up your cross. He was talking to people who had seen people marching toward yeah. their death. They've seen it. Carrying yeah. a cross. No, so no this is, unpack that. No, that's, no, a, that's, that's a, a visual that a I graphic. haven't thought about. In other words, this, this didn't just happen for Jesus. There's this point where Jesus, you realize, is carrying his cross. And we remember the story because at some point there's a switch off and it looks like maybe Jesus, maybe he's just going to collapse, whatever. He's not going to make it, so they get somebody else to. Well, it just tells me that this wasn't the first time that it happened. So, even... <laughs> People listening to Jesus had seen plenty of crucifixions, and they had seen people carrying a cross. And when you were carrying a cross, it was not going to end well for you. But it was going to end. Right. But it wasn't going to end well. Right. And here Jesus says, even the the specific wording that he uses, take up your cross. The best way, you know, we think about it, I might be wearing a cross around my neck, or there's some kind of... um, I've heard some people reference their spouse taking taking up their cross. I'm like, I'm not sure that's an appropriate application. I'm just bearing my cross. I've got counseling slots available, not this week, (laughs) or really next week, but the week after. But but you're right. It's fascinating when you're talking about that, of where we can even... We, we want to see that and understand that metaphorically at best. We don't imagine that following Christ could actually lead to our execution. And it's the fun, it's interesting because we do admire people down through history and today when we get the stories, we, we hear the stories of people who stood their ground when threatened... Um, we hear those stories, and we're moved by those, or we're, but yeah, we don't want to be those people. We don't, um, and I think I've said it before, it's fascinating for all the reading I've done for people, reading a book here a couple of years back about someone who just visited a bunch of underground churches around the world. He had certain kind of connections, whatever, and all these conversations. And at a certain level, he's putting himself at risk just in doing that. Oh, yes. And, and putting them at risk. Well, he's very concerned about that. And sure. so even with this book that he wrote, you know, okay. you're trying to cover all the details. But but there was a common theme of, first of all, they would say things like, well, well Jesus said this was going to happen. But then there would be also this common theme of, well, it's an honor. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Jesus is, that's, that's what, it's in other words, they understood the word. I mean, in other words, they believed the words of Jesus. They believed yes. the words about his value. They believed his words about what really matters. They believed what he said about this life and the life to come. This isn't all there is. And, it, and Jesus said, when you are persecuted for my right. sake and the sake of the gospel, here's, here's your response. Not a starky, snarky social media retort. He said, I want you to jump for joy. Yeah. Leap for joy. And I'm like, 
That's a great. That's a great response to persecution. Because you've been counted worthy, and and Bruce, you're isn't that exactly what Paul said? In the I, I want a fellowship in his suffering. Right. It wasn't that I love suffering. I've I've thought a lot about yeah. that. Paul wasn't any different than me. He doesn't want to, no. But gosh, it, it's an honor to right. share in the sufferings of Christ. Wow, that's in other words, I haven't thought right. Of that. Something at the level of because persecution and oppression is the one thing we don't want, and we fight tooth and nail not right. to to not experience that. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. Well, and it's that, no, we're just in this, that's the normal Bruce. I'm used to that. That's good. Uh, Is it? If Marie were here, you would be deferring to me on everything. Uh, can't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> it would be no fun. It's no fun. I look tiny again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm further away from the camera. There's some kind of weird angle going on here. Are you saying I'm large? I'm saying that I have lost weight. <laughs> And you have not. <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not making any points about Roger and his little stretch. I'm the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> well, you're Pencil Man. <laughs> Doctor, what's his name? All dressed in all green today. The Incredible Hulk. How did we get? That's going to make the byline of this podcast. <laughs> what? Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Bruce Banner. That's, I, that's I will who it is. note somewhere in my bio of our yes. piece, our summary, that yes, the Hulk will probably end up uh, so, being there. So Jesus promised his followers religious persecution, right? And and Roger, <clears throat> as far as I know, I haven't experienced that yet. No, uh, right? It, and I think it's fair to say. Well, not fair. It's, of course, he's not saying what it will look like for each of his followers. He's talking about what's going to happen. And he, yep. he will say things like, father will turn, you know, children mm -hmm. turn against parents and so on. We have not had that happen, but I know people yep. who have had that happen. I mean, their decision to follow Jesus has cost them their family. Um which always sobers me deeply, but I—you're right—I haven't had. Yeah, that is. I read right. that passage earlier this week when he talked about um, parents against children, mm. um, brother against brother. You know, because our relationship is very, very close, and I can't imagine what it would take to sever that relationship, right. other than death. You know, um, but to know people as I do yeah. that have a brother or sister. That's not only cut them off, you can also have situations where, with some cultures, as a matter of honor, they believe someone's turned to Jesus, they're actually bound by family honor. To take them out. To take them out. Yep. No, I, I'm familiar with a story like that. I've shared a stage with a person that, that was in that situation okay. that cannot return to her homeland ever. Yeah, see, those kinds of... <clears throat> And I guess the question that comes to mind is, where's the middle line between pursuing religious freedom mm -hmm. and resting in the reality of Jesus' words that persecution's going to come and God's going to work in that? And I guess it's just a tough line because there's part of me that... <clears throat> does want to advocate advocate for persecuted Christians around the world. Sure. Um, I find myself praying with some frequency 
uh, even in this week, I've just at different points, God will bring to mind. I'll be in a certain moment, whatever, and I'm enjoying a particular thing, and I'll just I'll just think of a brother or sister that because of Jesus is in a prison cell, because of Jesus <clears throat> is being tortured, because of Jesus um, has lost a family member, um, and I'll just begin praying for those. But <clears throat> and I'll get emails and you know from organizations that are advocating for persecuted Christians and so on. So at the same time, and even our own country, I don't think it's wrong to um, to speak on behalf, you know, that no particular group should be singled out for um, discrimination. Or, well, yeah. and it's interesting, they've even asked me to talk on that issue. In other words, if we want religious freedom for our followers of Jesus to be consistent, <clears throat> we need to want, want that for... Right. Anyone, whatever their whatever their faith basis is, I think you know when you ask you know what's the line and part of what we're learning and we talk about a lot is just living in the tension. Yes. Sometimes we can't draw an exact line. I think the exact mm-hmm. line, or or at least in my mind, crossing that line is when I'm going to take someone else's life for my religious freedom. And it's interesting how many things historically have been done in the name of God. That yes. were never of God, mm-hmm. but they were done in the name of God. We're going to kill the infidel. That to me is crossing this line of, you know, my of religious freedom. Even, you know, am I going to bear arms, the sword, to protect my religious freedom? Well, no. Right. I'm not going to take someone else out so that I can have religious freedom because I, the reality is, I do in Christ. I always have religious freedom, regardless of part of what I'm coming back to in that talk is, religious freedom is not about a place. And it's not about a political ideology. It's not about mm-hmm. politics. It is about a person. And in the person of Christ, I have I have full religious freedom at all times. It may bring persecution. I may right. get thrown to the lions. Right. I may get flogged in the synagogues, which I think in our culture might look getting killed on social media. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, but but I have the freedom to follow Christ no matter what. Mm-hmm the law of the land is, or no matter what another person thinks about right. about that. And that's what I, I don't want followers of Jesus to get focused on. We have to protect these freedoms, no matter what the cost, because sometimes their thought is, even if that means taking up arms, and I think that was where Jesus said, put the swords down. Guys, 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 put the swords down. My kingdom is not of this world. He's standing for Pilate, the, the, the guy who, in Pilate's mind, had the power to, to kill him or otherwise. And Jesus said, you wouldn't have any power except it was given to you from above. But he says, my kingdom's not of this world. If it was, I could call, oh, let's 10,000 angels or so. Bring him down. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm good. <clears throat> so Jesus was trusting, even though his religious freedom was being taken from him violently. Yeah. Violently. He was trusting the will of the Father. And turns out it all worked out. Well, it's, so you're touching on, I think, one of the ways of living in the tension. Mm-hmm. And it surely comes in Jesus' words that persecution is going to come. Yeah. Um, but it's not missing. I think sometimes added with persecution is that we're going backwards. Uh, because I'm being treated unfairly. Because this thing, I've been singled out in some way. That the kingdom of God is going backwards. You're, you can't fight the kingdom of God. But one of the, oh. one of the ways of living in the balance is... The kingdom is at work in the persecution. Absolutely. Right. In other words, Jesus doesn't fight this terrible injustice. In other words, what's happening to him is absolutely unjust. It's hypocritical. 
it's motive it's politically motivated there's a power struggles going on there are all these things going on but he knows the father's at work in it he knows and even when you look at the history of persecution in the church i mean they say the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church this yeah um it's the reality that god powerfully works you look at what has happened in the church in china you look in other parts of the world again where they faced intense persecution even now in parts of africa mm -hmm. parts of the middle east and places where but you see god at work so don't buy the lie part of the living the tension don't buy the lie that you've got to stop the person because these people are actually thwarting the work of god they're thwarting well if you're trying to stop the christian church um Roger, here's the thing. In, in the immortalized words of Kevin James out of Hitch, you cannot stop it. You cannot stop this. No, because I was reading Jesus this morning. He talks about the message of the gospel. He says, what's it like? How can I explain to it? Gosh, it's like this tiny little seed. And I thought, you know, I thought you about, 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 yeah, about Jesus Christ being the seed, the single seed. Because he said, unless the seed falls around and die, it remains only one seed. But if it dies, it bears many seeds. He says, starts this little teeny tiny seed, tiny mustard seed, but it becomes this tree, the largest tree in this garden. And it's like, you cannot stop it. He said, what's it like? What's it like? How can I explain it to you? Oh, it's like a woman who's taking just a little teeny tiny bit of yeast, and she's just working it through all the flour till it works its way all the way through. You cannot stop and it. And then you watch that dough. You cannot. That dough rises and grows. Daniel chapter 2 and 3, where he talks about the kingdom of heaven, You know, the rock yeah. that strikes the statue becomes a mountain that takes over the whole earth. It itself will endure forever, but it will overthrow every other kingdom. You cannot. This is good. You cannot stop yeah. it. Here's the thing. Persecution, in one sense, accelerates the, the yeast factor. You know, it's yes. what, I, what I've learned, uh, what I learned out in the Sierras when Mark, Mark and I tried to make Italian bread in the Sierras, and it turned into Italian flatbread because I didn't know something very important about what accelerates yeast. So I used cold water when I was mixing the yeast into the dough. Right. Doesn't move very fast. It does not work itself through the dough. Does not tend to rise very much. It needs heat. It needs warm water. So okay. that that's the accelerant. Roger, a little bit of heat actually accelerates. Well, even if you think about working the dough, yeah. working that that this yeah. that it's actually in kneading the tension, it. the kneading, the crushing. Oh, the... I wanna be kneaded <laughs> in the K N E A D E D sense. Sense of the term. Or really in the N E E D E D sense right. either. <laughs> kneading. Bad. Not fun. No, I love the fact that Jesus said it's just, it's unstoppable. It's just unstoppable. But now, coming to my brain, is maybe another part of living in the tension yeah. of this question is not seeing the persecutors as the enemy. Not seeing, because this is what I see even in our day where... Yep. We've turned it into a war. This is a war against us, and you're not going to beat us. And and there's a sense of animosity. But you look at Jesus, who from a cross could say, "Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing." But even if you know, don't weep for me. He's carrying a cross. So there are women sending it. Don't weep for me. Don't. He's all all around. He's looking at. And his heart is breaking for these people. And even where you look, this is a moment when you see the Corey Ten Booms um, and others who face persecution, where you so often see 
this compassion, this care. Oh, they're not seeing these people as the enemy. These folks are led astray. These are people made in the image of God. These are people... Roger, if you read two two important books that kind of deal with that, one is Unbroken. Yes. About, if you, I don't know no, if you read no, that. I've read that. A very interesting story about how he... Read for, the, I read the book and watched the movie. How he forgives the bird. <clears throat> the bird. The, the colonel that led yes. this, this, this terrible oh, vicious. POW oh, camp. Vicious right. man. But also the book Victor Frankl wrote from Auschwitz, Man's Search for Meaning. I haven't read that. Okay. Oh, you definitely need to read it. Okay. A powerful book about what he, he sees the image of God in a German guard who offers him a second little portion of soup. Mm-hmm. He's starving. In other words, what was so <laughs> staggering to me about his book, you could look at Auschwitz and you could look at the Holocaust and you could look at all the experiences and you could go, there is no God. There cannot be a God. Mm-hmm. But he argues for the existence of God and the meaning that therefore found for man mm-hmm. in any place that there is any form of goodness. Mm-hmm. Even in the most dark evil, if you see right. even a slight bit of light, he said, that's proof of the goodness of God. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and when you read what he suffered, again, similar to what, what uh, right. Unbroken Guy, yes, can't remember his name, um, what he suffered. Yeah. That to me is beautiful. Helen Brand, was it? Uh, Hildebrand, Hildebrand, something like Hildebrand, that. Hildebrand, yeah. No, that was the writer. That was who wrote the book. His name was... Oh, yes. Former Olympian. Something yeah. Flimblon. <laughs> I've forgotten his, yes. Billy Don'twater. <laughs> stop, stop it. it. Okay. Just you, stop it. You cannot stop it. You cannot stop it. And sometimes you wish you could. And sometimes you need to. It's true. So, but I was just, It's just this... I think we've we've gotten off the rails when so I think I think part of the balance is okay it's okay to call out injustice it's, it's so even if okay that's an injustice against some the, the Christian community but but not turning on people not not dividing into camps and turning people into Jesus is just not turning people into enemies. These are people, even the people that are killing him. He's praying forgiveness for them. Stephen ends up following the example, doing the exact same thing, all down through history. And this is where we read these stories of people forgiving their persecutors, their oppressors, and not in that moment demanding their rights. Not their... But more, they're just moved by compassion, the love of God for Isn't that people. Beautiful? Yeah. And, and so, oh, this, yeah. Didn't Stephen say something like, "Don't charge this to their account"? Yes. So he's forget. He's 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 living out the prayer of Jesus in forgive us our sins, Absol- even right. as we forgive those who sin against us. Right. He said the idea of his indebtedness, the, the term. He says they don't owe me anything. Don't charge anything to their account. He's saying, "Have Gosh, mercy. That's just have mercy on them. Yeah, have mercy." But here's the here's the power, because here's the thing, and this is it's in this environment <laughs> where the persecution mm. is the seed is the yeast, because when people encounter that kind of compassion, when they see that kind of attitude, and there's story after story after story, you could even you. Raised the question of how much the Apostle Paul saw in the moment, hearing Stephen pray, don't hold this to account. Um, 
the centurion who hears Jesus say, Father, forgive them, that surely this man, where the kingdom gets big and the kingdom expands because people are able to see. Oh, oh my goodness. In other words, the kingdom of God is not obsessed with how fairly we're being treated. The kingdom of God is obsessed with people being far from God. Yes. And getting them home and loving them and forgiveness and compassion. And the message of the kingdom, as I was reading again, just, you know, Jesus talking about the word and the sower in the sea, and he said, the word is the message of the kingdom. Yeah, it just, it just keeps, Jesus was always, the first time gospel is used yeah. anywhere in scripture, Jesus preached the gospel, <laughs> here you go, of the kingdom. It was always this, it was always about this kingdom. And I just thought of something as you said that. The world needs to see followers of Jesus carrying their cross because that is powerful. That is moving. Someone yes. believes in something so much that they will gladly, not happily in that sense, but, but gladly carry a cross, be, be, not only because it was modeled for them, but because of what the cross represents the right. kingdom. It goes back to this thing that I, that I still wrestle with right now. Something recently just can't seem to shake. Unless you give up everything, you cannot meet my disciple. And I realize, gosh, I'm clinging to things every day. It's a prayer I have to pray every morning mm. anew. God, I give everything back to you. Because something happens overnight, and I reclaim. And I you know, <laughs> wake up the next day, and I'm... And I'm like, unless I give up everything. That's why it's so important that we don't cling to anything because that whatever we're clinging to, it could be the one thing that keeps us from being willing to, to bear the cross. Yeah. But that's what the world needs to see. Yeah, and I'm thinking of that, what hit my mind as you said that, people saying, people who are willing to give their life rather than to take, take a life. life. Where what, seen, it, yeah, what is more where, powerful? Where have we seen down through history where, oh, you can't take us on, you can't have the church, whatever, where we're taking lives, where we're, um, <laughs> we're creating enemies rather than giving our lives. But the power of the kingdom is shown in a willingness At, to give my life. And here's the double-edged sword that we wrestle with even in America. That's... What you're talking about and the tension of that is what made Judas Maccabees and his son folk heroes. They were taking lives, but then they lost their life mm -hmm. in the process of taking. Yep. And they became idolized, <laughs> immortalized as martyrs in that sense, hero martyrs, because they gave their life while bearing the sword. Mm -hmm. Jesus, on the other hand, says, I want you to give your life while laying down the sword. And I think that mm -hmm. is what Peter struggled with. Oh, yes. In other words, Peter said, I will die for you. In his mind, I will swing the sword. I will take on the Roman army if I have to right. for you. And he was true to his word. Yeah. He's up against a <laughs> he is up against the temple guard, which is a whole lot more people armed heavily and he has a sword. And he's and ready. He, he takes him on. Right. He doesn't just brandish it like you see what I get? He starts swinging. <laughs> Although in that moment, I'm thinking he's expecting Jesus is going to <laughs> is going to stand alongside him rather than say, put away your sword. <laughs> and and the one guy you injured, we're going to heal that right now. I saw that going differently in my mind. And think about this, Roger. I, 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 this is sobering to me. How cold and how distant does your heart have to be from God for you to see a man heal a person who has just been injured by your guy and still beat him? And take him away to prison, 
and to the cross. How? It, I wonder if. I, I you know I went, was the is it possible even the centurion was there and he saw that, he just healed this guy that's on the other team. Right. It, it would be like it would be like, in, in a war shooting the other soldier and immediately going over there and healing him. I, it. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus, the compassion is crazy. Right. But but it's talking then about how the kingdom works. And this is where, I guess, kind of maybe wrapping up with the concern of... Oh, gosh, yes. We're, I'm, just thinking, we're but, I'm just thinking about the balance that, where, where we feel like God is calling us into a battle to protect the church. And I wonder if it's more about the kingdom than the church. In other words, the kingdom of God, this thing that's going to grow, whatever. I think sometimes we're, well, you can't treat us as Christians like that. And we're thinking kind of church mentality. We're thinking sort of, we're not thinking right. kingdom. Right. God's at work here. You can't do that to us. You, you. That's, you know. Here, here's the thing. And, the, right. The government can decide to shutter the doors of a church building anytime they want. Right. And even pandemic or other, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. But I haven't, I haven't lost. not overly concerned about that. No, I haven't lost any of my religious freedom. Right. I can pray. Right. I can worship with other believers. I can I can instruct and be instructed. I can. I, and what if the church grows and is more effective in a climate? Because I could make the case and, right now. And arguably. In our ease and in our comfort. Right. The history of the church, when things are super comfortable or the church has got a lot of control, a lot of power. Well, it's like where we are now. The church isn't as healthy, tends to get very lazy, tends to get... The word uh, Laodicea comes to Ooh. mind. Just sort of apathetic, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. things are. And the only time we get unapathetic is if you're going to take away something from... Uh, you can't take anything. Right. Jesus says unless you give up everything, you can't be. So, wrap it up for us, Raj. <laughs> that was my segue into you wrapping up this issue. Yes. No, I, I... Well, the reality is God helped us... Find that balance um, in standing for freedom and, and, and supporting freedom for everyone. For everyone here and around the world, but also that we'd be more, God help us be more concerned about your kingdom and what you're at work doing than our own personal comfort, than our own personal image. Um, we need help with that. Yeah, it's just like it leaks. We need got to keep. We got to keep. Did have one epiphany. While I'm over here reading the Bible all the time, you're praying all the time, which is more important. Prayer. I gosh, I feel mildly convicted. Well, I pray all, all the time that you'll read the Bible. Good <laughs> <laughs> <Put> on you. <laughs> with that. Good day. Good day. Shrimp on the barbie, as it were. Just stop. Just stop.